Welcome to the Seahawkers Podcast with your host, Adam Emmert. So get out your jungle juice, put on a toga, because it's a bro party. It's bro party Sunday. And Brandon Schultz. I think that's what threw a lot of the 49ers players off guard, is that they it was late in the game and they heard cheering. Go Hawks! Welcome to episode 181 of the Seahawkers podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz of the Military Seahawkers. Joining me, my good buddy, Montana Seahawker Adam Emmert. 181. That's crazy. In the, you know, the other crazy thing? We've done, you know, 181 of these. Yeah. And the majority of these come after a win like this one. Like eight in a row against the 49ers. Nine in a row? 40, 42 in a row? Something like that? Yeah. Suck it, Niners. Another <laughs> loss. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't... Uh, it still feels good. I mean, I know they're only a one-win team. Don't but, care. Uh, I will take a win over the Niners just about any time, just like I'll take a win over the Cardinals and definitely wins over the Rams. Yes. Yeah, anytime no, it's a divisional win, it's good. It's especially Absolutely. good. Absolutely. I, I, my sports hate for those other teams is growing dramatically over the last decade. That's for sure. And it's declined a little bit for the Niners. No, but it's still no, there. Really. I, it's, yeah. it's a little bit after Harbaugh left. It declined a little bit. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. You can't maybe lose Harbaugh and not have your sports hate decline. That could be. Yeah, I did love to hate him. That's for sure. Yeah, I know. And I guess Chip Kelly, maybe with the rivalry with Ducks fans and, you know, Huskies and, you know, the, the college rivalry. Maybe that oh, was yeah. a little bit. Oh, yeah. If you're into that sort of people, thing, but... maybe there is something there for you. But I did. That's not on my I, radar. I couldn't at all. dislike Chip Kelly the same way I dislike Jim Harbaugh. No, because uh, he's dead in, on the inside. Well, let's talk about things that we're going to like today. Yeah. Bobby Wagner having another amazing game. Russell mm-hmm. Wilson had a big day. Want to talk about his day against the Niners. Pete Carroll compared him to a famous boxer. I want to talk about that. Oh, okay. And then we have the Eagles coming up. Yeah. They're a pretty good team, as it turns out. Yeah. Fairly balanced team. Yeah. They're a football team. It turns out they're mortal like everybody else. They are mortal, but they yeah. do have. There's one thing about them, Adam, that I'm a little bit jealous of. Their craptastic fight song that their fans sing. The, no, that's not what I'm jealous of. <laughs> okay, good, because that thing is atrocious. <laughs> and of course, we'll get into some do better and better at life. All right, man. So up first is this Niners game and some of the things that we liked cuz there was definitely some things i didn't like in there too but let's start with things that we liked let's start off with one thing that i liked russell wilson a big day for him some mm-hmm. some fun plays he became the winningest quarterback in nfl history through his first 6 seasons with that win over the 49ers also became the fastest quarterback to 150 touchdowns and 3000 rushing yards which put him in some elite company adam wow really uh Randall Cunningham, Steve Young. Before you run down the list, there's no, only eight, guesses. eight players in the NFL to do it. Really? And you and you got two of them. Randall Cunningham. Okay. Vic? No, Vic did not have 150 touchdowns. Really? Yep. Oh, he 133 touchdown passes in his career. Mark Brunel, is he in there? No. Uh, Fran Tarkington. He's number one. And okay. so in order of touchdown passes, I, I put Fran Tarkington at number one. 342 okay. touchdown passes. Okay. I'm out of guesses. Okay. Randall Cunningham <laughs> was number five on the list. 
John Elway, number two, 300 touchdown passes. Ugh, had, over a thousand, had over 3,000 rushing yards. It's a guy I didn't need to see on that list. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Donovan McNabb, 234 touchdown oh, yeah. passes. He had over 3,000. Uh, you mentioned Steve Young. He's number four on the list, 232 touchdowns. Randall Cunningham, 207 touchdowns. Steve McNair, 174 touchdowns. Mm. And Cam Newton and Russell Wilson are tied with 150. Interesting. But Russell Wilson got there faster. Well, and not only that, but Cam Newton uh, leads him in boneheaded decisions by a thousand percent, too. Sure. So <laughs> bad press conferences. <laughs> One thing that jumped out to me, though. Oh, uh, Aaron Rodgers. He would be on this list if it were uh, over twenty five hundred rushing yards. He's at twenty six hundred right now. But he's so much better than Russell Wilson. So much better. So much so better. Much better. Um, one thing that jumped out to me, though, looking down this list is where these guys were drafted. Fran Tarkenton, oh, yeah. the, the one that I mentioned, he was uh, he was drafted in the third round, but that's when there were like 14 teams. Right. In the, and so he was actually drafted 29th overall in yeah. the league. John Elway, number one draft pick. Donovan McNabb, number two draft pick. Steve Young, number one draft pick. Randall Cunningham was a second round guy, uh, 37 overall. Steve McNair, the number three pick. And then Cam Newton, number one. Oh, and wow. You got Russell Wilson, third round, 75th pick. That's our quarterback, man. It's our quarterback. He was doing Russell Wilson things all game long. That's for sure. Started out the game a little sloppy, though. Uh, that was the very that was first weird... pass. Very first pass. Uh, uh, trying to get it to Jimmy Graham and Reed picks it off. Yeah, it was a very odd beginning to that game. Like the kickoff. Or first, the ball blows off the tee. Then yep. the kickoff goes out of bounds. <laughs> and then Russell Wilson throws a pick. It's like, what? what's going on here? It sounded like there were some issues with the wind. Yeah, it looked and pretty it was gusty very at first. Yeah. I guess you give him a pass. Uh, I don't know why you, if the wind's doing that, why you attempt a pass that's that far downfield. Like, you, you kind of want to maybe what is, get a feel well, for it first. What does Russell Wilson do Everybody, every time somebody tells him he can't do something? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, there you go. There's your explanation right there. But they did come out throwing the ball. No doubt about it. And we're able to move a little, the ball a little bit early. But... uh you know, that first half, again, another slow start. Some of it was issues with the offensive line. Some of it, I think they had more of an issue with drop passes in that first half. Yeah. The first drive, you know, they had three drives in the first quarter. Russell threw the pick. Uh, the second drive was good, but they had to, there was a drop pass on second down, which led to a field goal. He had to throw it away on third down. Blair Walsh misses a field goal. But again, we've talked about the win now. So... It was kind of long. They ended up not attempting a 53-yarder on the following drive where it right. crossed midfield. A uh, false start. I think it was a false start by Posick, too. Posick had a rough it day was. in this game. Yeah, bad day for Posick. He, <laughs> there was one play where he just he ran right past the dude. Like His defensive lineman just couldn't be bothered with him. Runs right past him and goes up and like blocks linebacker for like no reason. <laughs> like, I watched that play specifically. Yeah. To, to see where it was, I thought it might be Afedi's guy because Afedi and Vanette ended up blocking the same defensive end. And Posick, I, he looked like he was on a mission to block another dude. Like he yeah, didn't, he didn't even pay attention to the guy that was in front of him, which meant led me to believe that maybe that was Afedi's guy. But maybe, maybe they weren't <laughs> talking. I don't know. But I, that was, yeah, it's a not free, a good look either way. Let's put had it that a, way. Yeah, when a defensive a tackle has a free run at Russell Wilson. Fortunately, he's able to get rid of the ball pretty quickly, but 
Yeah, but it was clear that uh, Posick was the, the guy struggling the most up front. It's a little scary going into next week, but and that's part of the reason why. I mean, Eddie Lacy didn't have a good day anyway. But <laughs> when uh, what has he had a good day? Yeah, <laughs> God. When Posick's three yards in the backfield on every single play. Yeah, on every single running play. For what was it? Forty-two of Lacy's forty-six yards came out of after contact. Yeah. The one thing I will say about Lacey, at least Carroll's now seen what he can do when he has the majority of the carries in a game. And it, and it looks a lot like what happens when he splits carries. Yeah, not surprisingly. He looks he still looks like he sucks. I'm stunned. I'm glad I'm so glad we've we've been screwing around with this for you know, what, eleven weeks now? The positive thing though is I think Coach Carroll's seen enough now. Because uh, listen, what gives you that indication? Well, listening to him in the press conference, he's asked about Lacey and he's like, well, we've, we've got a sense of his style now through a full game. I mean, that, yeah. that's the most positive thing that he said. Oh, no. And he also said, well, he, he got in there and he really had some good two to three yards uh, moving the pile. <laughs> yeah, he tried real hard. <laughs> Great. So uh, who knows? Maybe maybe they've seen enough. I, I don't know why they couldn't have made this determination i don't know it was five weeks ago but i mean here we are so uh, hopefully you're right fingers crossed because uh my man thomas did not see the field and well, you know honestly well, once no, well he I was mean, out there he, for one play he, he watched the field most of the game I, he, he I did, did see, see the field i did see him once and uh he he was high-fiving uh one of the tight ends after a touchdown yeah well, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. But I honestly have no words about that. I'm not going to uh, say. So if you have anything to say about Thomas Rawls, we need you to say it because I, I'm done. I've got no more words. The thing is, is if we're not going to start Thomas Rawls, can we at least start J.D. McKissick? Because you had Eddie Lacy get 20 touches for 61 yards. You had McKissick get eight touches and went for 46. Yeah, it's clear those plays where Eddie Lacy ran hard up the middle. Yeah, J.D. McKissick has just as much success because those are the plays where there were holes in the middle. Yeah, that's that's very much the case. I mean, you're going to get nothing out of the run game going inside, but you have to do it to keep the defense honest. But at least then you have McKissick out there for when you do pitch it outside where he can actually turn the corner. Yeah. And that that's the big difference right there. Or the unstoppable, apparently unstoppable five yard swing pass. Yeah, like that, that. I mean, he, Russell probably hit that four times to, to McKissick. I think that works almost better than the bubble screens because I think we saw Baldwin lose about five yards at least once in this game. Oh God! First drive, it was like bubble screen, a run by Lace that went nowhere. Another bubble screen. It was just like, are you kidding me? Give me the swing pass. I'll take that one. Yeah, at least yeah. it's five yards outside. It's similar type play as far as how it works against the defense. I'll take it. I'll take it. No screens, though. Didn't see a screen in this game. No, no. I why? I don't I don't know. I Why? Maybe they're saving it for weeks uh, like the Eagles coming up where I think you're really going to need that particular play. But yeah, I don't know. That, that could be the case there. And maybe that is it. Maybe you don't break it out against the Niners when that's a play that you maybe don't need against the Niners. But I, I still don't know why we don't see it more. But one thing I was really happy to see, which led to our first touchdown pass, Bobby Wagner out there. He was incredible. And not only that, I mean, not only just did he have a big day blowing up other team screen passes. Yeah. Got an interception that led to the Seahawks first touchdown. 
Hyde empties the backfield as Bether takes a shotgun snap, throws one near side, ball is bobbled but caught at the 15. No, it's taken away by Bobby Wagner, down to the 10, down to the 5, he's into the end zone. Is it a touchdown? It is! Touchdown Seahawks! Now the key is, was Wagner down on the ground or was he on top of the receiver? But this one, the Seahawks look to be able to do some more damage here as they have the ball first and 10 at the Niners' 16-yard line. And the Seahawks did some damage because on the very next play, they, they give it on to McKissick on first down, and then they read option to McKissick, and Russell Wilson gets in the end zone. The defensive end bit hard on the read option there. It's nice to see that that's, they've decided that's a play that uh, will run in the red zone. It's been effective. That's two weeks in a row Russell Wilson has scored that way. Yeah. Um, so that, that was cool to see. Uh, Bobby Wagner, uh, look, I know a lot of people are talking about Russell Wilson as a uh, MVP candidate, but how are we not talking about Bobby Wagner as an MVP, not a defensive player of the year candidate, an MVP candidate? His year has been incredible. What he does to to put pressure on a quarterback, what he does to in the run game, what he does in the screen game, you know, covering dudes over the middle. He's been having an elite year. The coverage skills are outstanding. His tackling is amazing. Uh, he never misses a read. He's always in the right place at the right time. I mean, it, getting everybody into position. Clearly, the the kind of the quarterback of that defense right now, and he's he's beyond elite. He is the best in the game by far. I mean, there really isn't a close runner up. He is just the reason why he doesn't dominant. get talked about is because he doesn't have double digit sacks. The reason he doesn't get talked about is he plays in South Alaska and nobody cares. Yeah. And everybody's I, buried this team, man. That's true. It's very true. That's one of the things I have not been reading the national media a lot for the last three, four weeks. And I happened to read some of the power rankings and some stuff like that yesterday. And uh Oh yeah, don't do that to yourself. Well, I was just curious, you know, like, all right, what's the narrative out there? You know, terms like the zombie Seahawks, like they're like just barely hanging on and like barely have a chance to make the playoffs. And, you know, Chris Sims saying things like right now uh, that with Russell Wilson playing the way that he is, the offense uh, doesn't stink quite as much as our defense. It's like, what? wait, how does our defense stink? We Yes, we lost some guys, but they're still playing well. Like, what are you watching? This is the same guy that thinks the Baltimore Ravens are an elite defense. So. I don't know. He's a quarterback. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe that's why he's not in the league. He doesn't know how to read defenses. Maybe that's what the problem is. But I think that's one of the reasons that Wagner's not getting the attention is that I don't know. Everybody seems to think that they're not uh, seven and four. They all seem to think that they're like four and seven. It's it's bizarre. And I guess it's because they, they are currently outside the playoff picture because they did get the loss to Atlanta. Atlanta won this weekend, so they still have the tiebreaker. We're still one game back of the division, though. Yeah, there's a million things. Half We could be in a tie if the Rams did what they were supposed to do and lose to the Catfish and Saints. Yeah, no kidding, right? Thanks a lot. God, that was so frustrating. Counting on Drew Brees. I was counting on that running game. I, yeah. I don't know how they didn't run all over the, the Rams. That's that's crazy. But yeah, I, I really I really hope that the national media finally figures it out and figures out that uh, Bobby Wagner is a stud. And starts to get that kind of recognition because he honestly in, in defensive players never win MVP, even though what it was what two, three years ago where I was on the table for JJ Watt to be MVP and he should have. Yeah. And part of that, he had sack numbers. So he, I think he got consideration, but yeah, 
It's just Aaron Rodgers had a big touchdown. Aaron Rodgers so. had, you know what Aaron Rodgers has? The designation QB next to his name. That's what he had. Yeah. And that's often what does it. That's all. That's it's all gonna that be, does it. It's going to be Brady. It's going to be Wentz. Those are going to be the guys that in the discussion this year. Uh, if mm-hmm. Russell balls out for these games coming up against the Eagles and against uh, the Rams. Yep. In the, in Jacksonville, the Jacksonville. Yeah. That'll give him consideration. Yeah. That's that's basically that's basically where he's at in that conversation. If it, these next three Breeze games will get it him. because he's led the Saints to so many wins this year. Yeah. I mean, people put wins with MVP. It's just crazy, too. I don't get that well, at all. But Brees has a lot. Of, he throws a lot of yards, too. Wonderful. Wins and yards. The most empty quarterback uh, stats, man. And people get so into them. Hey, I just got done saying that Russell Wilson's the winningest quarterback through six seasons. How much we, did we I and how much did I comment on that after <laughs> I you, know, you poo pooed that last week, too? So. Yeah, because it's poo pooable. Well, the Seahawks only get seven points through that first half. Uh, a lot of that just, you know, in the they had plenty of opportunities in the second quarter. That where, although, you know, they decide to give it to Lacey on third and three. And for some reason, I, I've that didn't work. It wouldn't have worked, but they also got called for an illegal shift, which I either don't know what to look for in a legal shift. I thought, you know, two people in motion, but Baldwin was the only dude who was moving. Yeah. Either way, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked. Posick was blown up in the backfield. Lacey wouldn't have got the first down. Fortunately, they get the turnover, which leads to the seven points. They had an, another drive end where Lacey was shut down on the backfield after Posick was pushed back. I mentioned that we talked about the second and three play that helped end a drive. And then toward the end of the half, Richardson had a drop. And then there was a pick play that wasn't a pick. And there was a, a the missed face mask on Tyler Lockett. And so, yeah, that was a disaster were, of a play. Yeah, the refs had a tough, tough game. In this game, and it wasn't just and it wasn't just on our side exactly. too. It was the, the the play where Reed got called for Pass hit on a defenseless receiver uh, on Vanette after Russell Wilson was outside of the pocket, and then there was the PI on Doug Baldwin, which yeah, <laughs> I've seen I've seen Baldwin, Gronk, yeah, I've seen Gronk do this too, where he actually pulls the defender into him to draw the penalty, and it, it's a pretty brilliant play if you can pull it off, but. Oh, nice pun, Brandon. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, if you can't pull it off, it is a nice play. That I would have been, I'd have been livid, uh, angry if that would, if I was a 49ers fan at that point. He should be. Yeah, but you have to give Baldwin a little credit for for making it work. Also, if I was a 49 if I was a 49ers fan or any of our division rivals, a fan of those teams, I would probably go through. Let's see, that would be, uh, or it, I'd be two TVs uh, a year. Because every time I watched uh, my team play Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, I would have thrown a remote through the TV watching him run around and escape out of tackles for like no reason. It was a fun Russell Wilson game to watch. Yeah. Yeah. That Sandlot stuff works, man. I know it's not conventional and I know it doesn't feel sustainable, but that he's done this for what? Six years now. <laughs> so, and yeah. As much as I ragged on Posick, I, he was pretty solid in the passing game. The, the whole offensive line was good enough. In the passing game, a lot of those times yeah. when Russell Wilson was scrambling around, he was he had protection and he was just moving outside the pocket to uh, give him, buy himself a little more time. There were plenty of times where I saw I saw the pocket thingy on film multiple times. I, yeah, I saw it a few times too. For the most of the time, when there was a pocket thing, he stayed in there. Like you can only stay in it for so long. It's not a forever pocket thingy. It's like a couple seconds pocket th- pocket thingy. 
Right. Just because well, he saw the pocket thingy doesn't mean it's a sustainable pocket thingy. I mean, I, I understand that after there, a, a couple seconds, you you feel like you need to get outside and get moving. But yeah, there there were times where he did leave it early. But there were times where he hung in there, and the very it, they had their best drive to start the second half, and we saw Nick Vanette get into the end zone, his very first touchdown catch. Play fake to Lacey on second down, laying it up over the top, and he's in! Touchdown, Seahawks! A beautiful play fake to Lacey that time. Everybody stopped except Nick Van Ed, and he went out into the right side of the end zone, and Russell laid it up perfectly. 17 yards and a Seahawks score. Vanette wide open on that play. Yeah, he was wide open, and... uh so, you know, get out your, your jungle juice and, uh, you know, put on a toga because it's a bro party. It was bro party Sunday with all these touchdowns. Just Jimmy Graham and, and Vanette and all those guys down there just broing it up, doing their doing their bro parties. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Luke Wilson uh, went out of the game with a concussion, so he couldn't be part of the party. But yeah, Vanette getting a touchdown. Jimmy Graham got a one yard touchdown. It was a big day for the tight ends. It was. It was. It was a bro party kind of day. Yeah, uh, Graham getting the touchdown after the Baldwin P.I. Correct. Yeah. On, on and the I slant. use their quotes for, yeah. for P.I. Yeah. Because, you know, they, they finally figured out how to use Jimmy Graham in the in the red zone. They, I think we've got it down now. Instead of doing the, the fade, you cut inside. Right. And throw a slant and it works. It's almost like it's almost like there are some podcast hosts from Montana talking about this for like, I don't know, weeks. <laughs> Jimmy Graham now the all time. He now holds the Seahawks record for the most touchdown catches by a tight end. He stinks. Get him off the team. Get him off that bum. I mean, if he, if he did throw him off the team, I don't know. I mean, that would be a real bummer to the to the the bro party, though. Like, they, I think Vanette and Wilson would really miss him. You, you got to keep all the bros together, right? Yeah, absolutely. Bros before catfish for sure. Where are the catfish? I don't know. That's why that, they're not around because they've all chosen their bros first. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I know you're gonna. I know you're gonna want to cut that, Brandon. But I think I think the majority of the listeners will enjoy that. It's a uh, it's a phrase, and you know they've said that in the locker room at least thirty thousand times. You know what's happened. They they probably have. They've probably modified it in some way, though. Oh, probably. Because that's what bros do. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like when you go into a tight ends meeting for for the Seahawks, like everybody's gonna talk like this, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa! Touchdown, Nick. Good job, bro. Your first one, yeah. Fist pump. How much fun must that tight ends room be? I would shoot myself in the head. <laughs> I, I just yeah, that's not fun for you. Oh God, no! It's like it's it's so annoying. Just think about the difference between uh, you know Doug Baldwin in the wide <laughs> <Right>? receivers room, <laughs> right? Yeah. And just the, the whole different feel between the wide receivers room and the tight ends room. Yeah, you drop your pencil in the wide receivers room and Doug Baldwin shoots you that stare like he's going <laughs> to eat, eat your heart, you know? Right. Uh, you're just like, oh, God, the intensity in there would be high, no doubt. Yeah, very- Although you do have Lockett, and he's probably just, you know, like the feel like he could relieve some of the tension. Well, how? By being the squeaky clean choir boy that doesn't say anything, yeah, just sits not. there with his angelic smile? Yeah, probably. Hi, I'm Tyler. I'm here to catch touchdowns. He almost got hit for a touchdown. Uh, what was that? The end of the yeah, toward the end of the half, right? Correct. It it, it was uh, just underthrown by Russell. Yeah, gosh, it's there. the The, the passing game is there. In uh, the offensive line can put it together well enough in the in pass protection uh, for us to to move the ball that way. I mean, we 
we're basically we're the Detroit Lions now. We can't run the ball. It's all just passing, and only we have a better defense. That's who we are now. You need That's to. That's who we are. You got to embrace it and play to your strengths. And clearly, running the ball isn't the strength, especially with Posick in there. You know, the draft report on him was is that he was you know decent pass protection, but didn't have the strength to you know really be an effective run blocker. And that is proven to bear out in his rookie season. Now, the good news is is that going forward is strength is one of the things that you can easily improve on. Sure. I mean, you just get together with uh, Nick Vanette and Jimmy Graham over the offseason and, uh, <laughs> and throw- weights all, all the summer. Yeah, exactly. Just be just slap on plates, lift them up high. You know, we haven't talked a lot of pro football focus this year, but I did. I did want to see if the numbers kind of uh, played out the same way we have in our minds, because we know this has been a relatively good passing team, but the run game has been. Not so great. And it's not because Say bad, it, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you sound like a teacher at a parent teachers conference and this kid's getting like straight D's and you're like, Well, it's not quite as good as it could be. Yeah, I, I recognize Your kid's that. stupid. He's getting D's. <laughs> Just say how it is. Well, the <laughs> offensive line is not even getting D's because based on their yeah. their grades from Pro Football Focus, I, you run down the pass grades. For the season, Dwayne Brown, 76, Jokel, 73, Britt, 84, Abushi is 60, but he's not in there right now. I, I think that post looks probably about pretty similar and a at 73. Mm-hmm. But you look at the run grades. Dwayne Brown's the one guy, the one guy in the 70s. He yeah. has 78. Jokel, 39, Britt, 55, Abushi, 34, a 39. Yep. So it's dismal on the run blocking side. Which is uh, which is really weird, uh, considering that Tom Cable's supposed strengths uh, throughout his career was getting guys to run block, which it was. It's not supposed. Uh, they can only do one. You can only coach one thing. You either coach God, the pass block or run block. I mean, I didn't know. You can't do both. You're right. I'd never thought about in those terms, but that's clearly what's going on here. Like he starts uh, concentrating on the pass stuff, and all the run stuff goes to crap. And so he's like, "Ah, oh, man, now I got to go back." And then you know, you can't pass protect. So what are you going to do? I'll just live with it because this is we, we've been asking them to pass block for Wilson. Right. Right. I, I figured that they could still do the stuff they were doing before, though, at the no, same no, no, time. No. Yeah. No. Curse me and my unrealistic expectations. That's for sure. You know who did live up to expectations though in this game for me? That defensive line. They were all over poor Bethard the entire game. Oh, poor Bethard, too, man. He was on his back most of the day. Uh, end up going out to injury yep. late in the game where handsome Jimmy came in. Yeah. Yeah. Handsome Jimmy. I can't wait to beat the crap out of him for about two, three years. That'd be okay. I'd be okay with that. Well, it's going to happen. Just, uh, I want to see, I want to see handsome Jimmy start to lead the league in cutlers and cutlers is when the the quarterback does or get, or gets smashed up or does something bad and he just hangs his head where his chin's always all the way down to his chest in the camera angle, like all you see is the top of his helmet. When you see the top of his helmet, that's a cutler. That's a cutler. Yeah, I want uh, I want Jimmy Garoppolo to lead the league in cutlers over the next few years when he plays the Seahawks. Yeah, he wouldn't take the grief though as cutler. He's better looking, and he's also. And I think he cares about some things. I think he gives a crap. He looks like he cares. I still think he could lead the league in cutlers when he plays us. That'd be fine. You know, I th- I saw people saying that that was a low shot by Bennett when when Bethard was taken down, but I, he took him down by the waist. Yeah, I mean, it was in the lower body. I get I don't know. I mean, it's tough. Who it can- looked awkward with the way that his with the way that he tackled him, but he had his arms wrapped around his waist. 
Yeah, I know. So Bennett Bennett broke the bubble wrap around the quarterback to get a sack. Oh, my stars. Like, yeah. I mean, 10 years. I mean, the the bad thing was, is that he was offsides again for the second time. <laughs> well, but, there's uh, that. Um, <laughs> he streaks alive and well. Streaks alive yeah. and well. Yeah, he had two. The first one was really close. I had to slow it way down. But the crown of his helmet did come across just just. I mean, he timed it really well. Yeah, but not well enough. He's, he plays on the edge. What can I say? Well, 49ers fans didn't seem to care. They were cheering when uh, Garoppolo came on the field. Maybe a little bit too soon for the likes of some of the players. Oh, did that? Is that what the? I didn't know that there were cheers to be had in that stadium. I didn't know that there was any noise other than Seahawks chants. I think that's what threw a lot of the 49ers players off guard is that they it was late in the game and they heard cheering. <laughs> and it was because Garoppolo was coming on the field. But CJ Beathard was still on the field. So it was kind of. I don't know. There are some people complaining that it wasn't the best look, but alas, the Santa Clara 49ers take a loss. The Seahawks get the win. Even if it's a win, you should have. It's still a win. It feels good. It was a good game for the defensive line. It was also a good game for the linebackers. I thought Will Hoyt played real well. And, and we talked plenty about Bobby uh, KJ, a great game as well. And you know, we saw the corners hang in there with Jeremy Lane and uh, Byron Maxwell. They came in there. They played their played their tails off. I think I think they're doing a serviceable job without Sherman. I really do. I in I think having Shaq back for the next game will make a big difference as well. And then I'm still I'm on pins and needles for uh, Deshaun Shedd to come back. I mean that's that's something that a lot of people don't think about. And it sounds like he's very close. Like he's he's starting to work out this or starting to run or no not starting to run, but he's doing like kind of ramping it up. I think is what PK right. said or along those lines. Sounds like he should be ready to come back next week right. to actually practice. Right. And then who knows from there? I mean, you, you might need to get some work in before you play, but I think that's a huge component going forward. Between him, Maxwell, Shaq, and, and Coleman, man, that's that's pretty good corners there. They're talking about having to make a decision this week on where to what to do with Shaq. Oh, as far as where he plays? Right. Oh, just put him in for Jeremy Lane. Just put him in for Jeremy Lane. Please put him in for Jeremy Lane. Can you put you in there for Jeremy Lane? That'd be great. <laughs> that would seem like the the logical way to do it, right? I would think so. I mean, he's a nice guy and he tried hard and he blew up his body for us in a Super Bowl, but it's like it's just tough. That's that's where people go uh, that's the guy people pick on. So do you have Maxwell stay on his right side and you just have Shaq in the Sherman spot? Yes. Shaq hasn't been playing on that side, but Yeah, I know. But I don't see why he can't. But the uh, Kind of the idea is right. I mean, if you if you want to go down this rabbit hole, the idea is is someday you have to move on from Richard Sherman, and I think we're all kind of hoping that Shaq Griffin's that guy. So you might as well start get him start him uh, out there on the left side and get him some reps out there. I know that's a thought that's going to make a lot of people uncomfortable, but like it's it's something to think about. It's a good off season uncomfortable conversation to have. <laughs> You're not ready for it right now. No, no, no. I'm not ready for that. Not right me out. I'm ready well, to talk Eagles. Oh, okay. Fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> I'm not ready to sing Eagles. Yeah. I'd uh, I'd go with the actual Eagles, you know, like the band versus the team. Oh, I see. Okay. Maybe some Hotel want, California just, rather than Fly, Eagles, Fly. All right. Yeah. Are you living it up in the Hotel California? <laughs> I'm living it up. Okay. I hope the Seahawks are, are living it up against the Eagles because... Uh, you know, the Seahawks have not lost to the Eagles during Pete Carroll's time as head coach. Uh, they're on a three-game winning streak. Okay. All right. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and uh, Carson Wentz has yet to beat the beat the Seahawks, too. 
Right. Well, he that just last year was his only opportunity. But don't you got to say things in a more convincing manner? Like, where is it? You, you don't work in PR, apparently. Oh yeah, yeah. Carson Wentz can't beat the Seahawks. Right. He's good. They have his number. Yeah, he is. He is Ofer in CenturyLink. Sometimes it makes me hope that like somebody, like an Eagles fan, cuts that, just clips out that Carson Wentz, you know, can't beat the Seahawks, and just like runs with it. Takes it out of context. Yeah, runs with it, and yeah. Why do you think I say three quarters of the crap I say on the show? <laughs> you hope somebody takes it and runs with it. Yeah, takes it out of context, and yeah, has fun. Yeah, have fun. We should take more things in the news out of context. Yeah, we could. I could definitely do that. It's not like nobody else is doing it. Seahawks lead the series between these two teams, eight to seven. And the NFL loves matching up the Seahawks and Eagles in December. I was looking at the schedules. Mm-hmm. Nine of their sixteen meetings in December. The other four times are in November, only three games in September, and they've never played a game in October. I don't know why it's Seahawks-Eagles in December all the time. I don't know why you would have ever looked into that in the first place. <laughs> is that not even interesting enough to bring up? Well, I guess it is. I just I, I wouldn't have. I, I, I can't imagine having my brain even go to that. Like, <laughs> like that well, it jumped out at me. I'm looking, why are all these games in December? Well, where do you look where it shows you where the games are like by month, like broken down like that? It's not important. <laughs> that was some beautiful mind catfish right there. It's, it's barely did even you, interesting. Did you write that out on a grease pe- with a grease pen on some windows? Like, what, yeah, what you it? don't, you can't see it off camera here, but I, I do have my my grease board with with pencil and many lines drawn. <laughs> That's funny. One thing that I did notice, though, looking at the Eagles game, I I might be a closet Eagles fan. Really, and a, a, bi- a big part of that is the way they've the the way that the Eagles have started seven out of their eleven games. What about it? <laughs> let, let, expound, Brandon. <laughs> I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> the Eagles now, they're 10 and 1. They've had an incredible season. The only loss this so far this year has been to the Chiefs, week two in Arrowhead, mm-hmm. back when the Chiefs were good. Mm-hmm. But the thing that jumped out at me, and the reason why I say I, I might be a Closet Eagles fan, is because they've gotten off to a quick start in seven out of their 11 games. Mm. In week one, they got out to a 13 to nothing lead. In week three, they got out to a 14 to nothing lead. In week four, 13 to nothing. Week five, 21 to nothing. Week six, they got out to a lead. It was only 3 0. But uh, week eight, they got out to a 20 to nothing lead. And last week, 24 to nothing. So this team, they start fast. They actually they, they win games early by getting out quickly. Blasphemy. You can't do that. I've been told you can't do that. Coach Carroll says you can't win the game in the first quarter, but one thing that I like to do, and if you go to profootballreference.com, it has like the little chart of win probability Mm -hmm. for each of the teams based on how, you know, how the game's going, how the game's expected to go. The Eagles, there's very few times in the fourth quarter where they've kind of faced some adversity. They've had some fourth quarter challenges here and there, but that's after week six, they've essentially had the game won. Let's see. Week seven, they had the game won by the middle of the third quarter. Uh, Week eight, they had the game won by the end of the second quarter. Week nine, they had the game won by the start of the first quarter or the start of the second quarter. That Cowboys game, they, you know, blew them out in the second half. That was Mm -hmm. close at halftime. And then last week, I mean, they had the game won after the going up 24 to nothing. They were actually down at halftime in that Dallas game. I think it was nine nine to seven, right? Yeah. 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 But just. 
take a gander at the, their their opponents because everybody poo-poos the Seahawks in, in their record because they haven't played anybody. Tell me how many teams in here do you think are somebody? Washington, KC, New York, Giants, Chargers when they stunk, Cardinals, Panthers, Washington again, San Francisco, Denver, Dallas, and Chicago. Yeah, and the games that they lost or were close were the teams where I go, yeah, they're a pretty good team at the time. Right, exactly. And the Chiefs, Panthers. Chiefs, Panthers, those are, those are the two that stick out at me. And, I mean, even the Giants, maybe if you want to say they weren't the, the worst team ever at that point, even though they started out like 0-5, but, I mean, they were supposedly better then. Yeah, well, and Beckham was still at playing. I think so. I think, I think he was playing week three. No, they haven't really gone out and just, you know, throwing haymakers and beat a bunch of world beaters like and they have struggled against teams that you shouldn't struggle against, too. I mean, they they eked out a win against the Chargers. I I get that the Eagles are a good team, but they're mortal. The big, big, bad Eagles are coming to town. Everybody, you know, batting down the hatches, hide the women and children. We're all about to lose. This is a joke because there are some things where we actually match up very well with this Eagles team. Before we get there, let's talk about some of the things that they're good at. What what are we hearing? We're hearing that Carson Wentz is having an MVP season. We're hearing about how dominant that defensive line is, and Fletcher Cox is going to be hard to stop. Um, Zach Ertz having a great year for Mm -hmm. a tight end. I think he's ranked number one for tight ends this year. The Eagles spread the football around. Ertz has seven touchdown passes. Aguilar has six touchdown passes. Alshon Jeffrey has six touchdown passes. Through 11 games for the first time in franchise history, those they've had uh, that they've had three receivers with six or more passing touchdowns and Aguilar actually catching passes is, is kind of a big deal for them running the ball really well. 175 plus yards in three consecutive games now. The first time they've done that since 1990. So it's a balanced team. It's almost a balanced team. They So really, when you really look at this team. Everybody talks about, like, you went through the receivers and all those touchdowns, right? In, oh, what an amazing passing team. They're 16th in the league in passing. That's yeah. a true fact. That's sure. your middle of the pack. That's it's not because they're running the ball all the time. They don't have time to throw Thank the ball you. all the time. That's exactly my point. They're second in the league in, in rushing. When I go back and I, and I watch a little bit of Eagles uh, football, one of the things that stuck out to me big time is the idea that y- you got to stop the run. I mean, that's really where all start. This whole game to me, comes down to this very very thing we have to stop the eagles rushing attack and the seahawks are a good run defense team nobody's really run the ball on us with any sort of consistency this entire year early in the year we gave up a couple big runs you know like one a game here and there right but for for the most part like the running game has been shut down all year i don't care who we faced if you can do that to the eagles you make them one-dimensional and then you get Carson Wentz, and that passing game is, is something that you're sitting on. I think you have the opportunity for picks because one of the things that I noticed going back and watching Carson Wentz is he's very much a first read thrower right now. He still will go through his progressions. Don't get me wrong; it's not like you know he's like Kaepernick bad at that. You know where he mm-hmm. would just totally lock on forever, but he is very much trusting the play design in his playmakers and getting the ball out of his hand super quickly. If you stop the run game and you're able to sit in on those quick little breaking routes that they like to throw, you'll shut down the wide receiver core. The biggest thing that you really have to worry about is Zach Ertz. 
we have figured out how to cover tight ends. I don't know if we, if we've talked about this, but we have Bobby Wagner. I yeah, like that matchup. <laughs> you like that? I like that matchup a lot. And Bradley McDougal, I his playing well too in Cam Chancellor's absence. Absolutely. Or they were wondering what are they going to do with Shaq when he comes back? Okay, keep Lane out there. Boy, I wouldn't mind seeing Shaq out there on Zach Ertz in passing situations. He has the size to take care of that. He sure. can do that. There are some matchups here that the Seahawks can really take advantage of, but it all starts uh, when you're talking about the Eagles offense, shutting down the running game, J.H.I. and LeGarrette Blunt. And again, those aren't super quick, shifty guys. Those are, those are power runners, and we've always shut down power runners. Always. We have the ability to do that. With our defensive tackle trio that's going right now, uh, Richardson, Nas, and, and Jaron Reed, Yeah, that's tough to run on, man. Good luck with that. I think we have an excellent opportunity to shut down the running game. Get him into passing situations. Let the crowd get noisy. Have once do his one read BS. Pick off a couple balls, and you win this game. And you shove it down the throat of the national media. Picking off the Eagles would be nice because one of the things that was clear to me going back and look at how they've played other teams, the Eagles have started fast. But the thing that I've seen and looking back and, and kind of the, one of the keys to beating Eagles, don't turn over the football. The Eagles have not won a game when their defense gets zero turnovers. And specifically, don't fumble the football. They're 10th in the league when it comes to fumbles, uh, creating, force, uh, creating force fumbles. But they're only 28th in the league when it comes to interceptions. So that really, again, that speaks, uh, I think, to an advantage that we have if we're looking at the other well, matchup. Probably speaks to how strong they have been you know, with their front seven. Well, if you have an amazing front, front four. If you have an amazing front four and you're getting after the quarterback, that should force mistakes. That should force a lot of uh, a lot of picks. I'm not saying the four front four isn't good. It's great, but, but I mean causing <clears throat> causing fumbles as well. Right. But the, the thing is, is that the they've gotten a lot of turnovers this year. That defense has. Don't turn the ball over. Don't give them extra opportunities. Yeah. No, you can't do that because they they have solid players all across the board when it comes to their defense. Uh, Don't give them short fields. Don't make it easy on Carson Wentz and company. Now, the other thing about this Eagles defense, they are number one in stopping the run. Well, sweet. We don't run the ball anyway. <laughs> Let them do that. Fine. Take away what we don't do good. Fantastic. And Part uh, of the reason why they're number one in stopping the run is because of these quick leads that they get out to. When, they're, when you're up two, three touchdowns in seven of your 11 games right teams aren't going to run the ball down 14 to nothing down 20 to nothing down 24 to nothing like they were up on the bears when you're down 24 to nothing you're passing the football yeah and yeah and which is why their their defense has been i mean they have a a solid secondary right i mean the malcolm jenkins they're decent they're 16th in the league in pass defense right so but that's mediocre because, part of the reason why is because everybody has to pass because they're in the situation of having to pass to try and keep up with them. All I'm getting at is, is that they're a middling team in pass defense, a great run defense team. We don't run the ball anyways, and we're a good passing team. Like, so at least our strength goes against their, their weaker side of the, of their defensive scheme. And I think, I think that's something that bodes well for us going forward. And especially that good luck game planning for scribble plays. I call them scribble <laughs> plays now, where you just scribble the circles in the playbook. Draw on the circles. Just draw on the circles. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck preparing for scribble plays. Uh, those those have been some of our best plays. They're the only plays. Well, I am excited to see some of those scribble plays in this game against the Eagles. We do. We have them at home. It's in prime time. We did lose to the Falcons in prime time. 
Yeah, but we, we should, lose back to back primetime games, though. We shouldn't have lost that Falcons game, man. That no, was that was a have. dumb loss, man. That was a this dumb game's going to be another close game, though. You know, it's going to come down to the very end. You know, Russell Wilson's going to struggle through the first half, maybe get some points, and then put together a second a good second half. It's almost like you've seen this script before. We see it every single week. It's not hard to predict when when that's how it goes You're every not single week. Clairvoyant with that? No, <laughs> no. Okay, it's going to be a close game. I and I like the idea that the Eagles have been blowing out a bunch of teams, and so haven't been tested in a lot of close games. Whereas this is what we do. That's how the Seahawks play. When it comes to money time, I really like the idea of putting the ball in Russell Wilson's hand and say, "Go get it," because he usually does. I don't know that you can say that about Carson Wentz on the road in his second year with all the hype. Yeah, really, apart from a couple early games, that one against the Giants, um, the one against KC. Uh, who did they play in week four? Oh, week four was the Chargers, right? Yeah. Then the Chargers actually came back. Yeah. What about if you want to talk about the weeks? This is the week. This is the time. Uh, week 12 that you usually see the Seahawks start to put together their strong finish to the season where they start beating you know the big bad boys on the blocks and people start going oh wow well look at this the Seahawks came out of nowhere they finally put it all together this is when they start to do it this is one of those games I'm looking at as kind of a marker to see if this team is going to have one of those strong finishes like all the teams in the Pete Carroll era really have well Holly Stringer posted it on the Facebook page earlier this week 2012 started six and four you know, finished five and and finished the last six games five and one. Twenty thirteen started nine and one. That's the one year, uh, the Super Bowl season where they finished the or they started the season stronger than they finished because mm-hmm. they finished they lost two games down the stretch, but still four and two down the stretch. Six and four in twenty fourteen finished twelve and four. Went to the Super Bowl, had the number one seed. Twenty fifteen they started five and five, but then they finished another five and one uh, run down the stretch. Finished uh, ten and six, and then last year started seven three and one, and finished eleven five and one. So they won uh, what four and one down that stretch. So we're getting the Eagles at the time of year when we'd want them. This yes. is the time of year when we start to put it together. It's a hostile environment. It's hard flying all the way to South Alaska. Well, hey, that one team that they've struggled the most against was on the West Coast against the Chargers. That where they only won by two points. There you go. That was their longest trip so far. There you go. The Chargers, a, a more of a passing team than a running team. Yes. Able to put up points. And they don't really play defense as well as the Seahawks either. Although they have a good pass rush. They, they, yeah. yeah they, they've, they've started to put it together, but then they weren't. They were abysmal. Yeah. They were still adjusting to Gus Bradley's scheme. Bobby Wagner with his next tackle. He's going pe- to be number four on the all-time list for Seahawks, for tacklers. Holy he's smokes. Pass. Uh, he's tied with Chad Brown right now. He'll uh, take over that number one spot. He he could very well retire with that number one spot or a number four spot. I know it's sorry, number four but, now, but he will. He yeah. he's yeah, he's going to keep it up. He's going to retire with the number one spot. I think I think that's fairly likely. Well, he's going to pass uh, Joe Nash by the end of the season, too. Yeah, the Eagles will get a big taste of Bobby Wagner. They'll get a big taste of the 12s. And when they lose, I'll be looking at all y'all going bye Eagles. Bye. See ya. Well, if you want to go to the game, seahawkerspodcast.com slash tickets. Tickets a little pricey for this game, obviously, with uh, the Eagles coming into town being a Sunday night game. But this would be a good game to be at. It would be a good game to be at. And 
Yeah, if you do that, we get a little kickback to the show. It's nice. Yeah, 12% comes back to the show. Seahawkerspodcast.com slash tickets. This week's three in, three out delves into the touchy-feely side of our 2017 Seahawks. Which players formed the boy band, New Kids on the Flock? And which player needs to learn how to block? might be surprised by this week's episode and that's why you've got to check it out at seahawkerspodcast.com slash 3i3o the seahawkers booster club is the official booster club of the seattle seahawks go to seahawkers.org check out all the places where you can go and uh, hang out with your fellow 12s uh whether it's in the seattle area or around the country even internationally yeah everywhere uh because the 12s virus has, has spread worldwide it is now an epidemic and i think it's a good one it's a good one so check it out seahawkers.org getting into the second half of the show some injury updates adam you mentioned deshaun shed could be practicing next week chris carson could be returning in the coming weeks sounds like malik mcdowell definitely won't be playing the season that was something we heard this last week yeah nobody's stunned on that one Where's our where's Mike Davis at? Is he coming back from his groin issue this week? Uh, he's got a he's got a shot. Okay, yeah, they got to see what kind of work he puts in on today, Wednesday, I guess. When are we going to see uh, the newly signed Willie Beavers on the team? <laughs> I don't think I don't think we'll be seeing a uh, uh, big Willie, uh, big Willie Beavers uh, anytime soon. Offensive lineman signed to the practice squad. I saw that tweet from Curtis Crabtree letting us know you that. Know, you know the Seahawks are desperate. When they're just making up names of people to sign to the practice squad for the offensive line. We need to sign an offensive lineman. How about uh, Willie Beavers? He's got an excellent shot uh, to be a star in porn. Yeah, because some people just have porn porn names, you know, like, right. yeah, and he has one. OK, you know, you can just you can make up your name like you don't actually have to have a name for it. I know, but some people it's are not just, like a weatherman. I mean, weather, like if your name is Stormy, like you're going to be a weatherman. Right. But person. You, you can sometimes you're just blessed with a with a porn name like uh, out of the gate. I don't know. I don't know if I consider that blessed, but I don't know. I mean, at least you have a direction in life, you know, like, you know what you're what you're destined to do out of the gate. Like Paige Turner. Like, you know what you're going to be. Right. A chef. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Oh, OK. Well, uh, another big announcement this week, Jacksonville game moved to 4 p.m. Eastern. So no 10 a.m. games this year. What kind of poll do we have with the league office now? Like, what's going on here? Like, I don't know, but uh, yeah, it, it just cracks me up that Bruce Arians is probably stewing in his office when he saw that. <laughs> and because he's been on the on the train about getting rid of 10 a.m. starts. Oh, gosh, of course he has. What other thing to whine about? Of course, yeah. Bruce Arians has been on that train. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that there's a there's a flocker out there sleeping with the schedule maker now. Like I'm pretty sure. Ooh, that's well done by them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I needed to happen finally. Yeah, it's helping our deal. A couple show announcements, Adam. We're now in Spotify. So if you search for Seahawks or Seahawkers podcast in the Spotify app, you can find us there. Yeah, super nice cool. Yeah, we've been we've been waiting on that for a while. I did not do the Spotify because I tried it once. And it logged me in like through, I don't know, Facebook or something. But so the first thing that like auto plays, like when I when I pulled up the app was Taylor Swift and I get a message within 30 seconds and I'm trying to turn it off. I'm like, how do I I just want to do something? And I get a message like in 30 seconds from our buddy Fred on Facebook. Hey, listening to some Tay, huh? <laughs> I was like, Spotify is not for me. <laughs> I deleted it. So not only. 
did it just log you in yes. through Facebook. It also told all your friends what you're listening to. Yes. After auto playing Taylor Swift. Auto suggestion of Taylor Swift. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Spotify. Well, welcome to all the Taylor Swift fans that are uh, listening to us on Spotify. Now. <laughs> yeah, right. Who knows? We could pick up a lot of listeners that way if they force feed their their users that way. Yeah. How do we get how do we get the autoplay thing going? I don't know. I, I deleted it after that. I didn't want to know anymore. Like, no. Who knew what was going to come up there next that I couldn't live down? I think Taylor Swift probably has a significant, to a significantly deeper pocketbook to be able to make that happen for <laughs> Taylor Swift songs. Uh, than we do for a podcast. True fact. True fact. I mean, we're we're doing okay. We have a new member of the flock. Yes. Uh, we have a new affiliate. We you can go to seahawkerspodcast.com slash stubhub now to to get your tickets through StubHub. Seven percent gets kicked back to the show. That's kind of nice. Yeah, that's super cool. So uh, I'm all about people f- having options and getting the cheapest option uh, of what's out there. Absolutely. Yeah, we want you to go to the games, you know. But yeah. uh, welcome to the flock this week, and this is a familiar name, but it was a, a common enough a common enough name that uh, I wanted to give Andrew Carson a shout out and a welcome to the flock. He's in for uh, stickers and bonus shows. I know we had an Andrew Carson at one point, and so maybe he's just back. Maybe he is just back. Well, either either welcome you little flocker or welcome back you little flocker. Where have you been? <laughs> right. <laughs> And that's it. Short list this week. That's fine. That's cool. I, I looked it up. I think we're like uh, we're in the mid one fifties for flockers. We keep saying that uh, when we get to two hundred, we'll do post game recaps. I mean, if you can't get enough, get in the flock. Get in the flock dot com. And uh, yes, at about two fifty five right now. Once we get to that magic number of three hundred, oh three hundred, uh, we do. See, two I don't shows. even know what our goals are. It's three hundred, as in you know the, the three hundred. Like, yeah, this is Sparta. Uh, this is Sparta. This right. is Seattle. <laughs> Doesn't have the same ring. This is Flocktopia. Oh, Flocktopia. Wow. I, I think people have hoverboards in Flocktopia, don't they? Heck yes, they do. <laughs> I mean, they're, you're handed one at the door. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> Got an email this week from Jeremy in Vancouver says, guys, I thought I would drop you another line with some of my own thoughts over the recent events. Let's start with the Cardinals game. I felt devastated when Sherman went down with the injury, but I felt a sense of hope that Russell would put the team on his back. And that is when Russell Wilson went magic mode, slowed down time, and destroyed the will of the Cardinals by unleashing Doug Rocketman Baldwin. Now onto the Falcons. After the Falcons game, my depression was replaced with optimism. I feel that the defense played very well and will grow mature and will soon be clicking even more. Also, even looking on to the 2018 season, I think this sets up very well if John is able to keep working magic and keep most of these free agents. And if he doesn't, we'll just, we will have a bunch of compensatory picks. Just imagine how strong can be next year once our rookies and backups have a half year of starting experience being coached by Sherman and Chancellor. Questions for you guys. On the last episode, you mentioned Colin Cowherd's channel. I'm always looking for new content. What podcast do you guys listen to or recommend? Why don't we start with that one and... Uh, Okay. And then we'll go to his next question. Yeah. Uh, as far as the podcast go, to be honest, I don't listen to many at all. If like every so often I'll listen to the around the NFL guys, them, I guess I'll listen to uh, Bill Simmons, uh, the BS report uh, when he's doing the picking the lines with cousin Sal. That's probably the one that I listen to with the most regularity. We try and stay away from most sports podcasts because I think we've gotten to where we don't want to be. I 
after we record the show, that's usually when I listen to some exactly. of the other ones. Exactly. I <laughs> never do it before. I, I don't want I don't want our thoughts to be, you know, the same as everybody else's. Right. So the, the ones that I listen to the most of the Pete Carroll show, there's a podcast that's just the Pete Carroll interviews that he does on 710 with the, the ESPN stations there. I listen to I like to listen to John Clayton. The, there's a Cold Hard Facts podcast. So just when John Clayton's appearances uh, to try and keep up any of the news that he's uh, been talking about. And uh, oh, I checked out Russell Wilson's As latest say, podcast. This apparently week. he has one. Yeah, this was he news does. to me. Yeah, it is a great podcast for to fall asleep to. <laughs> yeah, it's called Danger Talk. And uh, I think somebody in the Ring of Honor had written that uh, they hoped it wasn't uh, just, you know, 20 minutes of him talking like he does at the podium. And, and it's not. Uh, I, I don't know. I heard from a reliable source. He talked about what did he talk about? He talked about how much he loves Ciara, how much he misses his dad, and how much he loves Jesus. Oh, those yeah, those are the three people that if he could invite to dinner. Ciara, his dad, and Jesus. Yeah. Oh, okay. That'd be an awesome dinner party, really. It depends on what kind of uh, you know dinner guest that Jesus is. You don't know. He could be kind know. of a catfish about things. <laughs> You don't know. You like you come out, you come out, and you bring something nice for the dinner, and he's like, "Oh, that's not that you know, that's not what I wanted." And then he just turns like water into wine. He's like, "There, now there you go." No, don't bring wine to the dinner party with Jesus. Yeah, he's got that covered, right? He's got that covered. Yeah, it's a lot cheaper. And he's probably he's probably snooty about what kind of his wine preference too. I'm sure he it's is. Like, really? I'm sure. Is he it is. Really? You you brought the cheap stuff. I hate Pinot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Gets all mad. Crosses his arms and you know fluffs his robe up a little bit. I doubt Jesus says that he hates anything. Yeah, he probably is like you. Instead of saying something's bad, he's like, "Yeah, it's really not the best." <laughs> you and Jesus just alike, just in that way, anyway. <laughs> nope, same guy. <laughs> you and Jesus. Oh, what were we talking about? Podcasts? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, the reason why I said it's a good one to sleep just because Russell Wilson's just kind of calm and cool and so it's very uh, i don't know it's relaxing to listen to it's like listening to the ocean is that what it's yeah. like to, to oh, listen yeah. to russell wilson's podcast for, it, that's exactly what it is uh, <laughs> who knew you know what i should probably put this on for my girls at bedtime like here's russell wilson there you go sleep. there you go that's not a bad thing right there yeah yeah and then you'd be programming him for the type of man that they should look for when they you know get older too at the same exactly. time exactly in their sleep exactly that's good stuff that's good mm-hmm. stuff that's that's solid parenting right there, Brandon. Parenting A. If you want another uh, sports podcast that I like, View from the Cheap Seats with the Sklar Brothers. Yep. Those two are funny guys. They had Damashek on recently. I listened to that one. Oh, I bet you that was a hoot. Nick Swartzen, comedian. Hmm. I'm a fan of him. Yeah. All right. And so a second question. Have you guys ever thought about doing play-by-play for a game? I would definitely <laughs> mute my TV and listen to you guys rather than these special announcers like Collinsworth and Gruden. Thanks for the great content. I just started the Pick'em League, so watch out for a nasty Naz. We'll catch you once Ooh. the tear in the continuum is repaired and teams start acting right, like the <laughs> Giants and Chiefs. WTF <laughs> from Jeremy. That was a tough way for, for me too, Jeremy. Um, yeah, so, uh, no, I've never thought of, well, I've thought about it in the sense of I've thought about doing play-by-play because I don't want to do play-by-play. Yeah. Like, it, you know, in some ways, just the idea of doing the game recap shows is hard for me to want to get on board uh, just you know directly after the game if we get to that point because it does take away a little bit of your enjoyment through you know game day but if you do like that idea of getting you know the thoughts of us and and uh, 
other uh, hardcore Seahawks fans throughout the game instead of the announcers, uh, get in the ring of honor. Like That's basically play-by-play throughout the game. Right, and that's where we do make comments and jokes and throughout the game. But uh, for us to to do three hours during the actual game, uh, yeah, that would take away from us you know, sitting and being fans during the game. But I think we'd have a good format for it. You know, like I'd definitely be the Pat Summerall to your John Madden. It would be like mystery science theater version of watching football. Yeah, it'd be a little like that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Like we wouldn't comment through the whole thing, but we'd maybe chime in once in a while. Yeah. Like when it's important, maybe to make fun of the actual announcers. There we go. That'd be, that'd be the way to do it right there. Yeah. That's how, if we can figure out how to do that, now I'm in. If I can openly mock some people while I do it, then great. But not have to really carry the full load. That's yes. perfect for me. That would be the way to do That's it. That's more or less how this podcast operates. Well, thanks to Jeremy for sending those in. Bringing up the Pick'em League, too. It was a, a slightly predictable week, I think, because we had 17 people in the Seahawkers podcast group with 180 points this week. Wow. Yeah. Wow. At 170. So- so congrats to this week's winner. I like that name. Uh, Flock of Flockers. <laughs> this one goes up to 12. You know nothing, John Ryan. Egg Rawls. And <laughs> your picks make me posick. <laughs> That's pretty good. Good names. Good job, people. I mean, almost good job. I'm mad at you that you got me by 10 points because that was a good week for me. Uh, there were a lot of favorites as we as Ross and I ran through the pick show. Um, if you just picked the favorites... Across the board, you're probably going to end up with 150, 160 points. I would have had a perfect week if the freaking Rams had had lost and the freaking Cardinals had lost. Of course, those two teams were the ones that uh, knocked me out of having a perfect week. Screw you guys. Screw you guys. Well, and you you picked the Texans or Ravens wrong. Well, it doesn't matter after those two teams lost. I didn't care anymore. Oh, and I hate the Ravens about as much anyway, so... How many points did you have last week, Brandon? Uh, I think I was 10. I was 160, so I was 10 points okay. behind you. Okay. Because you got your wrist pick and I didn't. Right. Yeah. Uh, we have, looking at the overall leaderboard, PBRU Sirius at 1650, Hawks Dozen 1630, the Blue and Green Mile at 1600, Ultras 1590, and rounding out the top five, I'm from Germany. And... Uh, <laughs> Sturgihad. Perfect. I think you nailed it. Nailed it. Well, coming up this week, uh, we won't have to worry about risk picks, Adam, because Seahawks 25% user consensus. Yeah. What kind of crap is that, man? Like, if you would have given me 60-40 Eagles, like, with the Seahawks being home and everything, like... I would have probably been like, okay, that makes sense. 65-35, maybe. Yeah, with, you know, East Coast team and the the national bias and all that, I would have been fine with that, but... 25%? Come on, man. Well, they have only lost one game so far. So far. It's going to be a real bummer for them when they're 10-2. and two. A lot of people missing that pick this week. I'm going to be rooting for the Cardinals to win, though, this week. Why? They play the Rams. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm rooting. I'm rooting for the Cardinals to win this week. I mean, it's gross, but... Oh, I just threw up. It burns, Brandon. It burns! <laughs> I can't root for the Rams to win. I know! God! I don't know. Cardinals are at home. Hey, they just beat Jacksonville. Maybe they get on a little bit of a hot streak. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh-huh. I know if the Cardinals lose, it definitely won't be Bruce's fault. That's for sure. Oh! And a happy birthday to Flocktimus Prime this week. 
Merry birthday, Floctimus. I uh, I don't do Facebook birthdays. Like I don't I don't I don't want anybody to give me happy birthdays on That's Facebook. A, there's enough of that on Facebook. Yeah, and I don't yeah, yeah I don't do it. I don't wish anybody a happy birthday. I, I hope nobody wishes me one. But in person, merry merry birthday, Floctimus Prime. You are a scholar and a gentleman. Indeed. So Ed Essie in the Ring of Honor, he had a couple comments that he was weighing in on. He wanted our thoughts on. Uh, well, he gives us his thoughts. First on offensive coaching, he says it's not that the offensive coaching is terrible. It's that it's terrible at in-game decision making, including play calling, clock management and which running back to put in. Presumably Bevel is great the other days of the year. <laughs> hey, man, uh, you know, you got to do give him a little credit that uh, they make good halftime decisions. They always seem to come out and play better in the second half. Right. So, I mean, there are, the in-game adjustments are are pretty decent. Now, as far as choosing a running back, again, I have no words. I'm out. I really, I just, I can't do it anymore. I, I think it's probably best to just, uh, yeah, for you not to go there at this point. I just, I, it's not, I'm, I'm beyond, you know, when your parent looks at you, I'm mad at you, or I'm disappointed in you, I'm not mad at you. You know, they were mad, and then they were disappointed, and then there's whatever this is. That's where I'm at now. Like, I'm not even mad and disappointed anymore. I'm just, I'm mad appointed. You're, you're so mad, you're making up words. Exactly. I don't even know what to call it. But that's right. There, there's been some questionable areas. Uh, it, uh, we have what we have at this point. Yeah, it is what it is, I guess. But uh, did he write those after the uh, the Atlanta game? Those comments? Uh, no, these were these were all recently from today. Oh, okay, all right. Or l- last night. I thought the play calling was okay for uh, for the Niners game for the most part. Yeah, except for the h- handing the ball off to Lacey on third and short ish. They needed to see what he can do, Brandon. And we saw it because you couldn't just define that otherwise. No. I mean, I know I couldn't have. And uh, he does have a theory about the absent screen passes, saying that you know, the, because Bobby and KJ locked down the screen passes so effectively that uh, maybe the failing in practice is yeah. uh, what keeps them from, from bothering. That's next, it's, that's like, yeah, that's next level thinking right there by Ed, right? <laughs> I, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool. I, that, that's, a, that's a solid theory, man. I would think that there's probably... A lot of plays that the defense does run well, but I, I think I feel like they would know. Yeah, we can't run it against ourselves, but you would think that it would give them ways of coming up with the uh, ways to, to scheme it better. Like it was our defense bad at bubble screens. <laughs> hey, that must be it. Although they seem to be good at it in games. So right. So yeah, that that kind of falls flat a little bit there. But I don't know. I, I, I like that I was like some inception thinking. level thinking. I enjoyed yeah. that. And uh, finally. I, I think this is how a lot of us feel about the the Seahawks, and you know, there's people kind of down on them. And uh, but I think Ed sums it up here: says you know, they're they're capable of losing to any team, and also capable of beating any team. I absolutely believe that they can win the Super Bowl no matter who they play against. At the same time, they can pile up enough mistakes and miscues to drop a dud on any given Sunday or Monday. Yeah, and that's their MO through the first three quarters of the season. Every season, they turn it on in the fourth quarter. And here it is, the fourth quarter, starting with the Eagles. And I, I'm with Ed. I, I tend to believe that they're going to get it done. And Tim Moon makes a, an important point here. He says the last few years have tended to play to their competition instead of above it. In doing so, they dig themselves holes that they have to expend a lot of energy digging their way out of, which does not always prove successful. They have done that this year, both in games, Atlanta and in the standings, 7-4. and four. This hole will take a lot of energy for them to dig out of. 
They may not be able to earn a first round bye and might not even win the division. They almost certainly will have to play playoff games on the road. If the season does end before reaching the Super Bowl, the last thing I want to hear is that we dug too big of a hole for ourselves. Is getting tired and old. Stop digging holes for yourself <laughs> and start using the shovel to bury opponents, please. I like it. Uh, you know, but we're going to save ourselves uh, and get out of this hole by activating offensive lineman Willie Beavers for the rest of the season here. <laughs> that's going to be the difference. That's the yeah, <laughs> that's the key. I know it. So so hang in there, Tim. It's going to be OK. Willie Beavers is here to save the day or at least give us a reason to uh, have a few laughs on the way out. Absolutely. Let's talk some do better this week and better life. What do you got for do better this week? I bet this has been teed up for me for about two to three days because Apple is in the, uh, my crosshairs today in, in, in the iPhone. You know, here's the thing. I don't know how many times that I've gotten out of this podcast and expressed exactly how I feel about emojis. I think we all know, right? You've made it pretty clear. If you, if you were to put it in emoji form, it would not be just one poop emoji. It'd be all of them piled on top of one another. It's like a giant pile of poop emojis. That's how I feel about emojis. I think it's lazy. I hate doing it. Use your words. You know, I just come on. We're not freaking Egyptians. Use your words or a gif. I'm fine with the gif. Yeah. So, you know, on the iPhone, like when you start typing, like it gives you three words above your keyboard where it tries to guess what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always wrong. It's never the right guess. I don't know what it is. Like they, they can't seem. Maybe I use weird words. I don't know, but it's never the right word. But now I have even fewer to choose from out of the ones that pop up above there because now it's starting to guess emojis for me. I'll type Jeep and I'll put a little Jeep up there. I'll start saying I'm happy or something and like a little happy face comes up. No, do not try to beat me into using emojis. Don't autocorrect me to an emoji. It did that the other day. The autocorrect pisses me off. I, I'll put in the right word. I'll spell it correctly. And it'll change it to something completely different. And now we'll do it with emojis. Apple, do better. Well, don't try switching to an Android phone to get away from it, Adam, because it's the exact reason why I came back from Android because the autocorrect on my old Samsung, it was dismal. Really? Well, it earned me a Karen jersey, for one. <laughs> which was the cool part of it. Are you it, back to an iPhone? I did. I moved back to iPhone. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Yeah. My biggest problem with Samsung is I would type an actual word. Yes. And it would change it. Yeah, yeah. The, the Apple one does that to me all the time. Okay. Well, yeah. Apple doesn't... like It actually keeps the words, the real words that I type as real words. Oh, wow. Well, mine doesn't. It changes it to other words. Well, maybe you're, maybe you need to be a, uh, an Android guy. I no, like, I bet. we need to find the autocorrects that are most compatible with our personality and texting. They don't make an Android phone small enough to fit in a pocket. Like they're all the size of uh, size of a giant tablet. Like who yeah. needs a phone that freaking big? When I go to buy a, a phone at the store, I got, I walk in there like, hey, what are you looking for? What's the smallest freaking phone you have? I'm surprised you aren't using a flip phone. Well, the only reason I don't use a flip phone is with all of my travel for work. The smartphone is super handy for that. And yeah. I, it's the way I record uh, the show uh, when I travel. Yeah. Well, you're stuck with iPhone now because the the Hawk mic is uh, yeah. iPhone only. Yeah. I saw, uh, you know how at the gas station, like people will put up uh, like a little sticker, like they donate, you know, like to the food bank or whatever. And they write your name on there. Right. I saw one right next to the, the booth the other day and it was Mike Hawk. And that made me Your, laugh. Our, our travel the microphone travel. donated? Yeah. Mike Hawk did. <laughs> yeah. 
I that see when I do those, I, I put Seahawkers podcast on all of them. Oh, look I at would you. recommend to our listeners to do that too. If you're at the gas station and you donate a buck and you can write your name on. Yeah. Just put Seahawkers podcast on there or just put little flocker. <laughs> I'm a little flocker. <laughs> yeah. I actually like that better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's your do better this week, Brandon? Oh, uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit bummed last week at my better at life because now I regret it a little bit because oh. I, I gave credit to the, the scientists, non, the, the non-believing in scientists, scientists yeah. that uh, ended up not going up in his flat earth research rocket. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that phrase. I just love that phrase. Well, apparently he didn't have the, I guess he was launching from BLM land and, uh, and he didn't get a permit for it. So. He had to postpone it. So I saw that story, Brandon, and I couldn't figure this out for the life of me. So number one, his launch pad is built off the back of an RV, right? So he can drive it around like a Scud missile. So why why not just go somewhere else? Okay, A, go somewhere else. Or, or yeah, B, just drive somewhere around on BLM land and shoot it off anyways. What are they going to do? Take your birthday away? Right. What are they going to do to you when you come back down? You're such a rebel that you're building your own steam-powered rocket that you you got the whole thing shut down because of a permit? Give me a break. Like what do you if if you would have parked it on the other side of the street and the only way to get there to your rocket was to jaywalk, would you've not done it? Cuz all my stars you would have broken the law. I don't get it. Well, he says he's moving it to private property now. Why didn't you do that in the first place? Just shoot the damn rocket off. <laughs> get your ass in there and go. Like who cares? Again, yeah, like his like his research isn't going to be any less significant because he did, did it without permit? a permit. Yeah. So I'm kind of mad at that. I, it was not my official do better. My my official do better this week is for uh, accused drone pilot Tracy Michael Mapes who, okay. uh, at the Seahawks. And well, he started out at the Seahawks Niners game. OK. Uh, dropping leaflets over the stadium via drone. Part of the problem, though. Well, one, you're not supposed to do that. But two, <laughs> yeah. he didn't take into account the wind. And so oh. the, he, they dropped the leaflets and none of them actually made it in the stadium. They just blew away. What were they leaflets for? Like banana awareness or like what? I guess they were anti-media. Oh, okay. And again, putting, putting anti-media stuff on actual media. Yeah. But uh, nobody can find it because they all blew away. Well, how did somebody not scan it and put it online? I don't know, but. Like, yeah, dude, yeah. that's the main thing here. Why? Why are you dropping leaflets when there's the entire Internet there? You're go, you're flying over, dropping leaflets into the wind that don't even make it into the stadium. How is it? How is that your idea that's going to be more effective than just posting it online where there's millions of people that can read uh, what you have to say versus dropping it via drone over a, a very poorly attended football game? Tracy Michael Mapes, do better, man. This is the same guy that uh, probably pisses up wind. I'm just going to say. It's probably about the well, same mentality. He, he went up wind, and how he got caught is they he went up the bay to the Oakland game to try and drop him there, and uh, he was going to drop him off at that game, too. Wow. Just just dropping information bombs on people with his drone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's uh, pretty idiotic. Says the they were around. criticizing television news media. Yeah, we all know it's bad, dude. <laughs> like, I don't care. I don't care if you if you watch Fox or MSNBC. They're all terrible. CNN. They're all terrible. All of them. I don't care what they have slant to do they it have. Twenty four hours a day. I want. A, I want a radical. I want a radical middle news channel one of these days. 
No, I think part of the reason why cable news is so good is because somebody will that you have to find a guy who can argue against everything. It can be a chick too. Although I think I think with all the uh, the sexual harassment uh, stuff going around in the in the news industry, like we're we're gonna be down to just just ladies in the media. I think here in about three weeks, <laughs> <laughs> like it's just gonna be all female broadcasters, and rightfully so. Like suss it all out. Like see you later. Yeah, until it turns around and they start uh, harassing all the dudes. Yeah, you can't harass the willing, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because because all of us guys would like a little more attention that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) just we're just saying we want a little more attention yeah exactly all right let's uh let's get on to the things that are actually better at life okay my better at life than skip bayless this week brandon it's for researchers at the university of colorado they have cracked the code man this is going to solve this is going to solve arguments between couples all over the world they've cracked the code the code there is now a scientifically correct way to put the roll of toilet paper on the spool. No. Because there's two ways to do it, right? The right way and the wrong way. Right. Well, now there's a... But there used to be a big debate where, you know, either the toilet paper like goes closer to the wall and around the back, or the toilet right. paper comes around the front. Right. And I've always been a proponent of the front, of the front fall. I think that's actually the way that it's listed in the patent. Oh, I see. I don't know that. But the, the University of Colorado did a research study on this, and this it's scientifically proven that having the uh, toilet paper go over is the correct way to do it. And the reason is this. If you hang the toilet paper using the under method where it goes closer to the wall, uh, there's a good chance that your hand is going to brush the wall when you go for a few of the squares, right? Mm. And this will cause you to, to like potentially leave bacteria on the wall or pick up something that, that you know somebody that was there before left for you, especially in public bathrooms. With toilet paper over, you're less likely to make contact with the wall, therefore being more sanitary for you, less risks of getting sick, and uh, clearly the more scientifically way to go. University of Colorado researchers, you are better at life than Skip Bayless. Yeah, the nineteen or the eighteen ninety one patent mm. has uh, the role facing that direction. The only time that having toilet paper under the roll go under makes sense. Is you if you is, exactly you have a cat. That's the only reason. Because <laughs> then they can't unroll it. That's exactly right. It's cat proof. Yep. Stupid cats. <laughs> Always just screwing with us, man. I can't wait until we have thirty percent of our audience right in going. You know, I used to love you guys, but until you told me that my way of ro- of rolling the toilet paper was wrong, stick and to I don't have cats, <laughs> uh, I'm not listening anymore. Yeah, stick to sports. <laughs> Stay out of my bathroom. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, you're right. Those emails are coming. They're coming. Yeah. Just just you wait. Yeah. My better at life this week, Russell Carrington Wilson. Oh. Coach Carroll made a comparison of Russell Wilson to Rocky Balboa. You know, famous mm-hmm. from the Rocky movies, mm-hmm. fighting Apollo in, uh, you know, Apollo Creed and Rocky 1 and 2, fighting Clubber Lang and Rocky 3, uh, Avon Drago in Rocky 4. And I don't think I saw Rocky 5, so I don't know who he fought in that one. But uh, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, because he's so good at coming back, uh, you know, never it doesn't start real quick, but he's there at the end to finish. Got the comparison to Rocky from mm. Coach Carroll. I think this is a good thing for Russell. Yeah. Because now, now he needs to go back and he needs to watch Rocky 3. Okay. Because Rocky in Rocky 3, he actually changed his style of, you know, just getting whooped through the first couple rounds. Yeah. To actually uh, starting fast. 
Oh, I see. He got he got out. Go go back and watch Rocky three. The two fights against Clubber Lang. Now he he was doomed to lose that first one because he wouldn't even look Clubber in the eye. Right. Um, but he came out swinging, swinging hard against Clubber Lang. He ultimately got whooped. But uh, in the end, even even the te- the second time he fought Clubber Lang, got out to a fast start and uh, ultimately finished. So. I think Russell, he could he could learn a little something for Rocky. Okay. Now that the the coach has made that comparison. But it's not just the comparison to Rocky that makes him my better at life this week. It's the opportunity that he has these next couple of weeks of the season for an MVP type season. He's currently uh, the there's an article posted on ESPN this week about how Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz are comparing in the MVP race. And right now they're both they're both uh, behind Tom Brady, Genghis Tom, but they they are in the conversation. Carson Wentz getting a little bit more run this time of year, I think, just based off of the Eagles record right now being 10 and one. Uh, one key thing that they point to, though, Carson Wentz's accuracy, it's down around 60 percent. It's 29th in the league. I don't know if you can have an MVP who is who's that far down uh, in terms of their completion percentage. So Russell Wilson. He has an opportunity here, and I think based on what we saw against the 49ers, he makes magic happen on the field. We've talked about this plenty, but now with the fact that just a few games left in the season, five games left on the schedule, and the fact that they play the Eagles and part of Sunday night football, they're going to play the Jaguars, who have been having a good season, another solid defense, and because they have the Rams coming up, Russell Wilson has an opportunity now to make an MVP run, get this team in the playoffs. And so for that, Russell Wilson on his way, hopefully his first MVP better at life than Skip Bayless. Yeah, this is probably Russell's best shot to win the MVP in his career thus far, uh, mainly because uh, everybody just said, well, it's Marshawn Lynch in the defense. And we're now clearly over the last uh, this last year, uh, it, the whole offense runs through Russell Wilson, and it's clear. I mean, he's keeping them afloat single-handedly. So uh, if he can get him to the playoffs, make a strong showing, and uh, beat Carson Wentz along the way, uh, I think it really bolsters his candidacy for MVP, no doubt. Especially with Richard Sherman being out, Cam Chancellor out. It's not the the full Legion of Boom right. anymore. So I think that adds to, adds to the fact if they put together a strong run Wait down the stretch. You're telling me they don't have a full Legion of Boom and they don't have Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson's still good? I mean, we'll see. I was told that wasn't possible. It, it, well, it may not be. <laughs> I mean, the Seahawks are doomed. They're going to lose their next five games yeah. and uh, finish outside the playoffs. Zombie Seahawks. Zombie Seahawks go seven and nine, right? Yeah. No, that's why I'm getting out in front of this and already anointing Russell as the MVP because he needs to he needs to show us. You hit, You heard it here first, folks. Brandon Schultz, he wanted to crown him, so he crowned him. Crown him. <laughs> Russell Wilson is who I thought he was. So better at life than Skip Bayless. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Oh, okay. He's he's always better at life than Skip Bayless. I thought uh, I thought maybe Coach Carroll was going to go with some players off another team that he compared to Rocky, like either Crabtree or Tlaib. Yeah, yeah, those two. Oh, those were that was awesome. <laughs> those two had to fight, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they needed to. Yep, that's been I don't a know. For years. I don't know why Talib. I don't know why they constantly fight over jewelry, though. I know, that well, seems here's weird the to dumbest me. thing in the world to me about Michael Crabtree. So 
you know, last time Tlaib jerks the chain off of his neck, right? And he gets right. a, uh, he grabbed his chain during this fight too, as well. After Crab t- taped it to his skin. That's apparently. what I'm saying. He had to, you, you taped it down, you taped it to your chest rather than just taking it the hell off. No, you tape it down to kind of uh, taunt him a little bit. So weird. Trying to get Tlaib worked up. But I tell you what, in a month when both the Raiders and the Broncos seasons are, are, are over because they've missed the playoffs, mm-hmm. I, I, would, I, I would definitely pay-per-view Tlaib versus Crabtree. I'm buying that fight. You'd buy that fight? I'd buy that fight. I don't know if I'd fight Tlaib, though. No, he's gonna he's gonna shank you in the middle of it. The dirtiest dude ever. Didn't Talib shoot himself? Yes. Yeah, I don't want to fight anybody that shoots themselves. <laughs> nope. It's not hard to not shoot yourself. It's really I, not. <laughs> I've shot guns plenty of times. Never once have I been shot. It's, it's not difficult. I know which way not to point the gun. Right. That's pretty. That's pretty critical part of gun yeah. shooting. Yeah. Know it, where not to point it. it. They'll have bullets in it until you're ready to shoot like a target. I worry about dudes that shoot themselves. You got to be special to shoot yourself. Him and Plaxico Burris. Yeah, maybe those guys should have been my better at life this week. There you go. You got to be special to be shooting yourself. Yeah. You know who's better at life this week, though, Brandon? Me and you for getting through this pod. We did it earlier in the morning than we usually do. That's a struggle for me. That was a struggle. I'm not a morning person. I think they're aptly titled. They're a state of mourning. Uh, This was was hard, but uh, we did it, man. We powered through. We did it. Congratulations. Thank you. I think we do deserve congratulations for this week. I just need, I, I just wanted to congratulate us. We haven't been giving ourselves enough credit lately. Clearly. Yeah. And because uh, we're awesome. <laughs> and I think and with, with that, that. <laughs> there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. It was Panthers week seven. I don't know what week it was. I, I know, know they played the Panthers. Ah, you doing okay with the weeks? <laughs> Nobody cares about what week it was, man. It's just they played the Doesn't Panthers. Matter. Yeah. What are you doing, Anna? I have to go look at the playroom real quick because oh, you okay. heard something scary. Okay. But Russell, oh my gosh, struggling this week. I hear you. Why is it so early? Uh, you know what else is not the best look when you choke on your water for no reason? I do that all the time. Ah. Uh. My wife constantly makes fun of me for choking on my water. Therefore, being more sanitary, uh, sanitary, 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 